we do have a challenge with the word brag and that it's been a taboo for us. We're talking about our successes shouldn't be. It should be foundational to all of us. It helps us all thrive. When I can hear how you've had success, then you've left breadcrumbs for me to follow in your footsteps. It's when you say, I hear this all the time. Oh, it was nothing. Meanwhile, <laughs> it was endless nights of hard work and ongoing challenges. And then at the end of the day, they just brush their hair back and say, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> and the rest of us are like, what? I'm never going to live up to that mark until we peel it back and we see all the hard work that went beyond. And that's where people telling their truth about how to be successful, sharing the wisdom, sharing their skills is so important to all of us, people now and people in the future. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. I will live every day as if it were a microphone tucked under my tongue. It's great to get in the game, but don't get in the game until you understand the rules till you're an insider. Your life changes when you begin having a different conversation in your head. What we need to do in radically deep problems is propose radically visionary solutions. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Greetings, everyone. My name is Julie Masters, and you are listening to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement, or a nation. Now, here's today's question. How do you feel about the word brag? I brag, you brag, she brags, he brags. Does it make you squirm and immediately want to kind of bolt away from the spotlight? Or does it make you feel excited about an opportunity to finally share some of your success? When a colleague, a friend or a co-worker starts to say things that sound like bragging, does it rub you up the wrong way? Or do you start to feel inspired and maybe curious about how you too could get similar results? My guest today thinks that we all need to become better braggers, which I can tell you, as someone who started life as a good British girl, raised to avoid phrases like too big for your boots and the cardinal sin of life becoming too full of yourself, already makes me kind of want to sweat. Lisa Bragg, and yes, that is her real name, is an author, speaker and advisor helping people self-promote in a more authentic and unobnoxious way. She is the founder of MediaFace, a Toronto-based content and consulting firm and author of Bragging Rights, how to talk about your work using purposeful self-promotion. A book that digs into the art of bragging and reveals, and this part I probably need to read a few times, that people really do want to hear about our success. And that actually when we share our wins and our achievements, not only does it raise the bar on what's possible for the people around us, it creates a field that immediately starts to attract even greater levels of success and opportunity, which is a phenomenon that I have to say I have witnessed happen over and over again for those who can do it right. In this conversation, we take the art of bragging to a whole new level, including why, unlike the high school sports team, we need to learn to pick ourselves rather than waiting to be picked. How to move from self-promotion to purposeful promotion, and that is a massive mindset shift. Also, the right questions to ask to unpack your true motivation for shouting about your achievements from the rooftops. The power of focusing 
on what makes you remarkable, literally what makes you worth remarking upon and the key questions to help you realize how remarkable you actually are. The equation of fear plus 10%. I love this. Basically, when you face something that scares you, a moment to step into the spotlight that makes your knees kind of shake a little, taking that as a cue to lean in just a little bit further rather than lean out. And finally, why our perceptions of words like bragging and self-promotion, even down to the language that we use, robs us of way too many brilliant people and brilliant ideas at a time where they are needed the most. Now, here's what I know. The influence you are capable of having, the level of success you are capable of achieving, whatever your goal, 100% depends on your ability to shout about it, to literally turn up the volume on your voice, your achievements, your capabilities, so that the people that you need to reach actually stand a chance of hearing you. And in a world of noise and distraction, this makes the art of self-promotion, the art of bragging, not only vital, but an unavoidable skill. So either we do it well, purposefully and intentionally, or we shy away from the spotlight and accept that we may never have the impact that we know we are capable of achieving, which I know for this community just isn't an option. Now, for those of you who feel ready to take your journey in influence to the next level, if you can feel yourself on the verge of the next level of amplifying your voice, don't forget, hop on my website or the show notes and download the latest version of my ebook, The Influencer Code. It covers the seven areas and seven core questions that in over 20 years I have found hands down to be the most useful when it comes to fast tracking your level of influence. Just pop in your email address and it will be in your inbox in the time it takes to make a cup of tea. On that note, sit back, stride on, cycle out, caffeine up and enjoy the incredible wisdom of Lisa Bragg. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa Bragg. So good to have you here. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited to talk to, uh, talk to you because I've had your book on my desk for uh, probably, I, don't, I think it arrived like close to a month ago when we first locked this interview in. And then two days ago, I got to just kind of squirrel myself away in a corner and, and devour it. So I'm really excited to, to jump into it with you today. Congratulations, by the way. I know you've just had the book launch. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to hear that it's where you are in the world. I saw someone had it in Italy and it's just so exciting to see it now be global. And that's what I really wanted when I started thinking about this book and how I wanted it to serve. So, so happy to hear that it was, it's in your home and in your office. <laughs> it is, it is. And I think it's such a beautiful and interesting time for you as well. You know, we're going to get into that, which is, you know, you talk about self-promotion and authentic self-promotion and purposeful self-promotion and bragging rights. And, and here you are having to step into or deciding to step into your own point of view. You are getting yourself out there and everything that you've learned, which is like a double barrel journey in a way. It absolutely is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, I want to just kick off with one thing, which is, you know, what's one thing that's having a lot of impact on your thinking right now? And it can be related to your field of expertise. It can be timeless. Um, it can be very new. But is there something that's kind of stuck with you and is really influencing the way that you the way that you think? 
it's actually someone who posted something about my book and it actually was a person who then posted her comment and it was about how so many of us have confused the idea of being a servant in what we're doing and so i believe we are here to serve but she says that so many of us have confused humility with being a servant and that really connected with me because we give up so much and we put it on our leaders or put it on someone else to show us the way and to guide us and there's been such a call of you know humility and leadership or be a humble leader but when she said we've now mistaken the word and now it's about being a servant i thought oh wow that was really profound for me that servant attitude which is beneath and below and not the servant attitude of here i'm here to serve my team but the way she meant it it was much more of that it's that um i am your servant and not in a good place so I, that's been just going around in my head she had another really long multisyllabic word that i cannot remember right now off the top of my head but it's how we define language is really the point and brag the word brag in 1325 meant to shine and shimmer and then it meant bravery and now it's this you know we've moved to well it's to talk about yourself you know with this puffery this this attitude and it's not really it's really really how we are here to serve so i just i'm really fascinated with language and how the word brag comes into so many ideas of, of people. So I'm, it's still with my main theme, I'm still brand new to this, so I'm fascinated by it, but it just really took me on a tangent when she said, it's this attitude of being a servant that's not serving so many of us, I thought was brilliant. And that distinction, right? You talk about language, that distinction between service and servant. Yes. Am I here to be of service? Which by its nature, if you're here to be of service, you need to show up, stand yes. up, be seen be heard, I'm here to be of service, or to be a servant, which is to hide, lurk in the shadows and wait to be called upon. And, you know, I, I make this point a lot when I'm working with people kind of one-on-one, -on -one, which is this fallacy that we have. And I don't think often we know that we have it, which is that one day, you know, if we are good enough, if we are good enough, one day, you know, the clouds will part, there'll be a sunbeam, it'll hit us on the head, you know, the angels will start singing and this voice will be like, you, you have been chosen, welcome. <laughs> and we were, we were waiting. And I don't know if it ties back to being picked at school, I, I don't know, but we're constantly waiting to be chosen, um, which again is that servant mindset, waiting to be, to be called upon. How do we, and I want to get to the, the word brag in a minute, but how do we counteract that? How do we flip our mindset from servant to service? I think it's letting go of a lot of the conditioning that's been put upon us. So that attitude of wait till you're chosen, the perfectionism attitudes that we've been given, wait for those gold stars. Why didn't you get 100% on that? You only got 96%. You know, all of those things come into play of us hiding for longer and they don't serve us. They serve the people that are in control of whatever it is. And so we're not able to put ourselves forward because we're waiting for them to give us the permission. So it does go back to our original conditioning as young girls, especially people in general, but especially girls are sent to strive. And Carol Dweck in her famous comment about, uh, if if life for life if life for a lifelong I'm gonna mess this up. Hang on, it's um, feel free. I give you full permission. 
Uh, <laughs> thank you for not letting me be perfect. But it's along the lines of, you know, if life were a grade school, women would rule the world. So essentially that whole thing that if we continued on the behaviors that were taught when we're really young in school, then we would succeed because that's where we thrived. We wanted to have that marks. We wanted to be told the rules. But then when you're in the world of work, those aren't the rules anymore, except we're told sometimes that those are the rules, but they're not for everyone, just for you. And so then you're following this outdated playbook that doesn't serve us at all, especially in this new era that we're in, where it's about imagination and creativity. And we need to, yes, we do need to fit in, but we also need to stand out. So it's letting go of a lot of that old factory mentality when we did need to you know, fit in and we did want a, you know, a steady paycheck. So you wanted to follow those rules. We didn't want to be on the farm anymore. We wanted to be in the big city centers and they needed to keep things organized for safety and for this new era. But we've moved past that, except our social norms are still stuck there. So it's quite a conundrum for so many of us where we're stuck in the past. Mm. And there was a beautiful line in your book and I'm hoping I'm going to get it get it right where you said you know if you want to if you want to stand out you need to get in the way like yeah. not being afraid to, to get in the way like and I think you know a lot of us do that and I have certainly done it before I don't want to get in the way I don't want to get in the way of this conversation I don't want to you know get in the way of this momentum that's happening by voicing an opinion that is different or putting myself out there but not being afraid to go hey I'm, I'm going to get in the way I am I am in the way here and you know I'm going to give you my point of view and if it's useful, it's useful. If it's not, it's not, but yeah. I'm not afraid to stand up and get amongst it to show up. Yeah. You have so, to get in the way to get your way. Yeah. That's yeah. That is it. Get in the way to get your way. Talk to me about, let's just look at this word brag for a second. We're going to, we're going to get into how we get around it and, and how we start being more purposeful with how we self-promote. But it just occurred to me that how frightened we are of the word. You know, I'll own that, especially being British. You know, the the fear of being seen to be bragging, or even if you're not to be accused of of being of, of bragging, is like the worst, you know, possible thing. You know, my family it would be you know, full of yourself, or yeah. all of that, all of that language. Why are we Why are we so afraid of it? It's really goes back again to we wanted to just keep our head down. We didn't want to put it out there because we didn't want to lose our jobs. And so we kept reinforcing it with these messages. And I talk about in the book, uh, Joe Foster, who started Reebok and he had, he's 86 now, and he had all that conditioning put on him too. You know, the cream rises to the top. So if you're good, it's going to happen. But, but you don't put your, you don't ruffle feathers. You don't put yourself out there because then that's show off. And who do you think you are and all that language that goes with it. And so you would just keep in line and follow everyone else. And so it just doesn't work for us in this era again, that we're in. So there's that challenge of the era. Um, you know, we need to be able to we don't have also our grandparents, our grandmothers at the end of the road saying, hey, you know what? Julie's really good at this or Julie got this and Lisa did this. We don't have those people in our little villages anymore. They're not right there at the end of the road saying, here's what we're good at or at the fruit stand. And we're also not in that small little group where people can say, okay, Lisa is not good at that, but she's really good at this. Like, So we don't have that anymore where it's obvious what our strengths are. And so because of that, we need to tell people, 
here's how I'm here to serve. And when you know how I'm here to serve, then you can say, okay, Lisa needs to go here and we can partner with her on this and, or I can partner her, put her with that person. And so that's where the connection is. And it's not a me, me, me show. It's about how do we partner in this era now where we're not just collaborating with the person next door, we're collaborating with people who are, you know, in a totally different time zone on the other side of the world. And we're also competing against people all over the place too. So how do we have those conversations where we say, hey, here, my hand is up, pick me for this opportunity. Mm. And the, in the book, you start with kind of like this core truth, which is you have to pick yourself. Which I loved. And as part of that, you also told a story about how Justin Bieber changed the course of your life. <laughs> so I mean, just marry those two worlds together for me for a second. So my background's TV news. And, um, you know, I, I was one of the first videographers. And so videographer is essentially what we all are now. I would walk around this with this big camera and I would interview people. And then I would also then turn around and put myself on camera. And then sometimes I would end up anchoring the news. It was just one of those catch-all jobs. So I was in this small town that uh, Justin's from, and I was interviewing people about uh, federal politics. Something had happened in their area. And so, of course, these young teens, they wanted to be on camera. They saw me with the camera and, and like, no, it's not really, a, you know, it's politics. So they weren't that interested in the story, but they really wanted to be on camera. So Justin sang to me and uh, I was seriously impressed with him. But what I realized going back to the TV station, because I thought, here's here's a, a person who's doing something. He's been on YouTube. So don't forget, it's 2007. So YouTube is, is brand new. He's putting these little videos out. And now he's going to go to the States and talk to producers. And I didn't even have a clue of the names that he was putting forward. And, you know, it's all the names that we know as top record producers. And he was naming all these people. And I went back and I said, let's do a story on this young teen and YouTube and how he's putting himself out there and having success. And they said, no, <laughs> they gave me a big, like, no, who do you, why would you even consider that? You know, YouTube's not going anywhere. But I realized that Justin Bieber was picking himself and putting himself out there. And here's this opportunity for all of us to do that and not always go and wait for the guardians of the status quo. And while I do like to use traditional media and, you know, there are guardians, you know, we need people to collect and curate content for sure, but we also need to watch those people who want to keep things just the way they were. You know, we need to find those ways around that. And so Justin Bieber did that. And he really, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to take my camera, take the, all the skills that I've learned, this wisdom, these achievements and go and t uh, tell corporate stories and stories of subject matter experts and put them on, on air for the first time. So it was, it was quite a journey, but that's my Justin Bieber story. And people always ask me, do you have that recording? I'm like, I have a bag of tapes. I should really one day go through and see if I actually recorded him or not, but it was awesome. <laughs> There's something really potent in, in, in that idea of picking yourself. I mean, we all know what Justin Bieber became and that's not necessarily the journey that, that everybody wants to go on. But interestingly, um, along the same veins and, and probably something that people can relate to more so than being a teenage um, pop sensation is I was at a park just last week and talking to one of the dads, you know, when your kids start playing together and you, you start talking and I said, oh, what do you do? And he said, I work in industrial lubrication. I'm like, okay. Didn't have any questions about that. Okay. Uh, 
And we kept talking and, and I mentioned the fact that I had a podcast and he said, oh, I have a YouTube channel. And I was like, why would you have a YouTube channel for industrial lubrication? He's like, oh, I'm, um, I'm pretty well known in my field. I started this YouTube channel. I basically just answer all of the common questions about industrial lubricants. He said, I interview people, I, like new technologies that are coming through. He said, it's been a game changer for me because now I'm getting, now I'm a consultant. I'm getting calls from companies all around the world because I am known as the guy in my space. And he's like, and it just came from a place of service. It came from a place of contribution. And it just was one of those moments for me where I was like, you know what, if, if everything we're talking about here works for a guy who works in industrial lubrication, then, you know, you don't have to be Justin Bieber in order to, as you said, stick a flag in the ground and go, this is my space. This is a space I know more about than anybody else. And I'm going to show up and be, and be of service how do we, how do we, how does that journey start? Like, how do you begin picking yourself? If the whole idea of picking yourself just feels kind of like, how do we start? Well, I just love that story though. I love the lubricant story. I think it's a great story. (laughs) That's probably the first time I've ever said the word lubricant. on. (laughs) You know, it's going to catch ears for sure. But I think it's because we're about knowledge mobilization. How can I share my knowledge with the world? And not always giving it away, way, way for free because he is making money or doing something. He's now being the top consultant and being seen as an expert. So there is a give in this and and a take for sure. But it's that knowledge mobilization. How can we share our knowledge? Because in the past, it would just stay and I'm pointing to my head, it would just stay in our, in our heads and wouldn't go very far or the five people around us. But now we can share our knowledge with everyone. So I think it's that being of service and saying, I do have something to share. And it can be the smallest thing. We see so many people who are out there sharing the smallest lifestyle tips. And so even if you're not in lifestyle, what's something that you know that you can share with the world? And if you say, I don't know anything at all, I don't, wouldn't know what I was could talk about, but spend 20 minutes and go through, set a timer, start with five minutes, set a timer and think about all the things that you could say, I believe, I think I could teach. Those kind of things are those fundamental things that you could actually share with people and then have a point of view around. So it's really saying, what do I want to talk about? What am I passionate about? Because I think passion does play into it because you do have to have a long game for whatever it is you're talking about. It can't be just, here's my thing today. Pick something that you're going to stick with. And I tell people, you can change, but try it on for six months. It takes a long time to be really known for something. People are out there putting content up for three, five years, and then it's an avalanche of, oh, yes, that is the person to go to. And it doesn't have to be that we're on YouTube or the world stage. It could be in your office. It could be, you know, your association of your of your business. But what is it? And what is that topic that you really care about? And that you're going to really say, I'm going to own this and really go deep in it and start sharing that information. So you can be that go-to resource on whatever it is. Just make sure that you are the person who's signaling it out to the world. I think you're being really, um, really generous with the six months there. I think that, you know, for me, it's 18 months minimum. Like you have to contribute for 18 months minimum before you start seeing. So as you said, you know, pick something that's going to fuel you because at first, you're in the arena by yourself. You know, there's, there's nobody's cheering you on. Nobody's looking, no one's watching. So you need to have a, a self-fulfilling fuel on this. 
You do. It needs to have something that's going to drive you because you're right. You know, you probably won't see anything for a long time, but then you'll get momentum and then your flywheel will be going. So, but it's just that slow turn and not worrying that if you are putting it out on social media, like LinkedIn, that nobody's watching because we don't, you might not get traction, traction where you think, oh, people are engaging with my posts or engaging with me, but they are observing. People are out there seeing what you're up to and lurking, <laughs> but they will eventually then start to comment as they feel comfortable. So it's about putting the content out there and then following through, but making sure that you have a signal that people know what you're standing for. And that's why I tell people don't talk about everything, pick a lane, because otherwise you have too many things and people won't know that you're the expert in whatever it is that you're an expert in. And getting fluent in the questions, like another way, another way to begin would be just to go out to the, your target audience and say, what's the, what's the 10 questions you have about what I do? What, what are those 10 questions? And then answer those, like you could even just start there. Oh, that's a great tip for sure. Just starting with that and saying, here's, then here's my take on it. So here's the answer and here's my take on it. Here's my, what I would add to that. So here's the obvious. And then here's what my take is on it. Here's my point of view. Cause it's having that point of view that makes you different than everyone else and makes you remarkable. You know, it's hard to be better. Your answer might be the same as everyone else, but when you put your interpretation on it and make your connections and then curate your own ideas around it, that's when people will start to be attracted to you because then you're making it more authentic and it's not just something they can find anywhere else. It's mm -hmm. from you. And then you'll be really seen as that expert. And that shift from, you know, as you said, it's not about being better. It's about, it's not about being the best. It's about being the only and only, no one can beat you at being you, you know? So I want to talk about a bit of a myth. So what, what stops us from doing this? And I don't know if you hear this all the time, but I feel like I hear this a lot, which is it's not about me. My work should speak for itself or my experience should speak for itself. My results should speak for itself or it's not about me. It's about my team. It's, it always starts with, it's not about me. How, how have you learned to answer you know what? It sounds like we're being so we're, we're giving when we say that, oh, it's not about me. It's about the team. And I I hear it all the time. And so this is not in the book. I wish I had this line then, but it's, you know, there may not be an I in team, but there is an I in credit. And so often when credit is left around, someone is going to scoop it up. And in the book, some of the research that was found is that where credit goes, credit knows. So if someone in the past has has the credit for a job. And then next time he goes off and just gets the coffee and you're the one slugging out, who do you think is going to actually get the credit? It's not going to be you. It's going to be the guy that went and got coffee this time. So, cause credit leaves breadcrumbs and people want to follow those breadcrumbs back to the past. So you have to leave that information along the way to let credit come to you. So how do you do that? Is that a, because I can just feel, you know, you sat at your desk or you, you might be a business owner, you, you might be working for an organization and you're thinking, okay, do I just send an email around to everybody just saying, by the way, this is like, what's the practical application of these? Because I love that language, breadcrumbs. Yeah. So first of all, you have to be willing to say I have done work. So, so many people say it's not about me, it's about the team all the time. And so it's just always how I contribute. And then deep down, they're feeling that corrosiveness of invisibility that starts to happen when you aren't, because fundamentally humans want to be seen and heard. 
So when you're not, after a while, it does erode on you. First, you're like, yeah, I'm contributing. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, where, who's going to see me? What have I done? And especially when it comes time to get a new client or to, you know, get a raise, you want to be seen and heard and you want people to acknowledge all the things that you've done along the way. But the first thing you need to do is make sure that you're bragging to yourself. So it's that internal monologue, making sure that you are collecting the artifacts along the way, those kudos from people. But then you're also saying, hey, I have done a good job. But what are those emails? What are those notes that you're getting? What are the different things that people say about your work? So collecting them and make sure you're downloading them onto your own server in some way. Because servers, things happen all the time where you lose your emails and you don't have them anymore. Make sure you have them. It's your brag book that you have all these stories along the way. So then you can remember why you're doing this work, you know, that it matters and it matters to somebody. So having that as a start and then collecting credit and telling people, you know what, if you have an employer, you can say, hey, these are the things I accomplished and, you know, here's the result. Your, your leader will actually be really thankful because none of them remember all the things you've done. Leaders are on to the next thing or even your clients. They don't remember. They're on to the next thing. We celebrate. Oh, yay. Good job done. Well done. And then we're on to the next thing. But when you can say, hey, remember, we did these things together and I did this because this happened. And that's the secret word is because you can say whatever you want for their brag, the first part of it. And then you say because and then you can give, you know, a salute to your team or to your client or whatever it is, but it's that word because that helps soften the brag a little bit um, for people. Cause we do have a challenge with the word brag and that it's been a taboo for us where we're talking about our successes shouldn't be, it should be, you know, foundational to all of us. It helps us all thrive. When I can hear how you've had success, then you've led left breadcrumbs for me to follow in your footsteps. It's when you say, I hear this all the time. Oh, it was nothing. Meanwhile, <laughs> it was endless nights of hard work and, you know, ongoing challenges. And then at the end of the day, they just brush their hair back and say, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> and the rest of us are like, what? I'm never going to live up to that mark until we peel it back and we see all the hard work that went beyond. And that's where people telling their truth about how to be successful, sharing the wisdom, sharing the, their skills is so important to all of us, people now and people in the future. You know, that was a big flip for me, I think, that decision to be the clue. You know, that whole thing, we can't be what we can't see. And, and you know, growing up, you're looking for clues, right? And when you're working your way through an organization, when you're starting a business, you're constantly looking for clues. You know, what could I become? How far could I take this? What's possible? And to make the decision to be the clue for somebody else, even if that's, you know, collecting testimonials from your work, as you said, your brag book, asking for testimonials, what was it like to work for me? You know, would you mind providing a testimonial for this project? Um, you know, it would mean a lot to me. And even that is deciding to be the clue for somebody else. And once you've made that decision, that was, that was just a big one for me to go, all right, I'm do I want to step up there and go, you know, I have done these, I have done all these incredible things. It doesn't feel particularly comfortable, but do I want somebody else who's watching? Cause there's always someone watching to know what's possible and what they can shoot for and then overtake me. Hell yeah, I do. So that decision to be the clue, I think was just a massive one in my journey. 
I wish I had the language of be the clue in my book. That was, that is so good. I love that so much. And then that's again, how we are of service to other people is like, I'm showing you the way I'm putting things out there so that, you know, and that is such a gift and it's a gift to the people who are coming behind us and to our peers, that whole idea that we have to be perfect or do this much more. That's where people burn out because we're trying to strive to this level where, no, 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 let me show you really the way and let me tell you about my success and the stories behind it. And then that clue really makes it so much easier for all of us to be it and achieve it for sure. So love the word clue. That's good. Take it. Take it. Um, I want to talk about, you've got this beautiful process in the book, which is a, like a multi-layered questioning process, which just, it's the same questions, but I think you recommend that you ask them kind of multitudes of times, five to seven times. What are those questions and why are they helpful when it comes to flipping from self-promotion to purposeful promotion? It's really about being intentional. I think that's the key is having that intention behind what you're doing, because we can go all over the place and do so many things and that's exhausting but how do you have intention and that's what these these questions queue up is that having that intention so it's about um i would record myself i like to record myself some people would type it out but record it and then get it transcribed so saying what's my intention what do i want and then record the answer to that then ask what will that do for me and then record that answer and then keep going. What will it do for me? Because we want to get down deeper into why do you really want to do what is you, whatever it is you think you want to do? Because once you've gone through the exercise five to seven, seven, five to seven times, you realize, actually, I don't want that. I really want this. And then it leads you down a different path. We don't take the time to do self-reflection. I think that's the critical thing is doing some of these exercises while they take time, it matters because we so often have squirrel, <laughs> shiny object syndrome all the way. But when you reflect and have intention, then you can say, well, here's actually why I really want to do that. And so many people want to be on media and do stories and videos and you know be on the top shows, but why do they really want to do it? In the end, it's not going to get them what they want. In the end, it might be that they wanted to have a better relationship with their team. That's the story of one person that I spoke to. She was doing all these media interviews because she thought it would help her be seen, but it wasn't being seen by the audience that she truly wanted. So by doing an exercise about intention and really digging deeper in it, then you realize, oh, that's really why I need to do this instead of spending your time on social media, if that's not where you're supposed to be. And I just hate for people to waste their time. I think peeling it back and then going deeper is the most critical thing you can do. And you talk about articulating your brand promise. And I think that there's, there's so much in that for, for a start. I don't think many of us think of ourselves as a brand. So, you know, we kind of start there, um, but your brand promise, and I've seen this and heard this used so powerfully, which is I help X do Y. Like to be able to articulate it that um, quickly and succinctly, how, how do you help people figure out what that is, what their brand promise is, either as an individual, as a company? I think it's that we put too many layers on it and there's too many things about thinking about 
demographics instead of psychographics. And it's like, so psychographics are really about what do you value, your hobbies, all the things behind who a person is. And so I think understanding that instead of worrying about the demographics of the people you're here to serve is more important. So look up psychographics, really important for understanding somebody's values, hobbies, their intentions. Um, I think that's critical, but it's really about the person of the future. Who are you going to be and not worried so much about your past? I think that's one of the critical things when you're thinking about what is my and I call it professional brand. So what do I, how do I want to serve? It's thinking about who do I want to be instead of worrying about what I've done in the past? Because that's where we're allowed to pivot point. We want to be able to move forward. And so many of us get stuck in the past of our reputation. And we think our, our professional brand is based on that. I think that's really worth, I really want to drill down into that, which was, this isn't about a snapshot in time of now. This isn't about basing your brand on a memory of the past of what you've done of what's led you to here. This is about, again, sticking a flag into the future and going, this is what I am becoming. This is what I am on my way to doing. This is what I am striving towards. And I think that's a massive distinction because usually we base our stories about ourselves on the past. What have we, what have we done before? Whereas this is different. And we need to go forward because so many of us worry about our reputation and the past, and that's what keeps us stuck. And so many people, they don't go for that next level job. They'll go for a lateral job because they don't have a hundred percent of the qualifications. And so instead, or for clients, the client needs these things. Well, I haven't done that before. Put yourself in that pool and say, well, I have the potential to do it. So it's based on potential. And so that's where your brand promise is the potential of you where we worry too much about the reputation. And yes, you have to have a solid reputation. That's for sure. And anyone listening to this is already great. You're already golden, but it's how do you then talk about yourself in the future you so that you can get the opportunities. It's okay that it's not yet. That's a growth mindset. I haven't done this yet, but to stay with our reputation, it's the past and we haven't done those things yet. So then we can't, we don't think that we can actually grow if we just worry about our reputation. It's also reputations are one of those things that other people can control where our promise of potential, that's what you and I can control. We can control that ourselves. that promise of potential. So that's where the magic is, is where are you going? So knowing where you want to go and talk about yourself in that potential aspect. Yeah. You reminded me of a, of a conversation I had, having a lot of conversations recently. Um, and I would think that that's what I do. And I was talking to, and he's a very well-known, um, very well-known speaker here, here in Australia and, and also not as well-known in the US, but, but still quite well-known. And he was jumping topics. He's always been known as speaking as an expert on this particular topic. And he suddenly became, has become very passionate about a different topic. And he's written this incredible book on the different topic. And we sat down, he was like, I just don't know how to talk about it. He's like, because I'm so used to talking about my reputation. I'm so used to talking about what I have done. I don't know how to talk about something I'm heading towards without sounding like I don't have any credibility. Like it's like a, like it's a shot in the dark. And so what we did was we looked at, well, let's look at everything that you have done and let's map out what are the, what are these natural, beautiful segues and through lines into where you're going? You know, what has your experiences of the past and your results of the past naturally qualified you to do in this future world that you're heading towards? And how does it give you a unique lens 
on this future world that you're heading towards so that whenever you tell the story, everyone's like, of course, of course that led you there. And, of, and wow, what a different spin you would have on this than the, than the standard spin. Is that what, you, what you're talking about when you're talking about, you know, traversing your reputation into your potential? Definitely. There's always a red thread. If you have that, you're making that connection. So you're, you've followed your passion somewhere else now. So, that, but there is a connection to all of these things. It's not as loose as you think it is. When you look back, you can see it. If you spend some time on reflection, you can see the red thread that goes through everything. And even if it's something that's totally off and far, far, far left field, it probably connects. But if it doesn't, if you've already had credibility, you have a halo effect. People will say, oh, she's already good at that. She'll be good at this. And that's where we see, at least I'm, I'm in Canada, but we see so many American politicians who were former actors. Like people just automatically say, oh, you're good at one thing, then you should be good at the next thing. And they'll automatically make that connection for you when you can't really quite see it yourself. Other people will grant you that. So it's okay that you're starting to go off in a new direction. We believe that people do change. And we worry so much about our credibility. People can look online and say, oh yes, I can see that that person led up to being the CEO of this massive company. I can see the breadcrumbs along the way, but it's allowing them to see the moments of your life instead of just the milestones. So he hasn't achieved the total credibility yet of that big milestone, but he has little breadcrumbs along the way that he can show the moments that he's done little things along the way to say, here's where I'm scaffolding to get to that bigger picture. So it's part of it is we all wait to show our great big, the big show instead of saying, here are the elements along the way that I want you to celebrate. So celebrate the small things along the way. So you're bringing your audience along on the journey with you. And I love that focus on moments, you know, moments, decisions, realizations, you know, I was doing this and then I realized that if only this space over here knew everything that we know, it would totally transform it. Or I was heading this direction and then I had this, you know, realization or I, I made this decision like focusing on the moments I think is just a, a really powerful frame to come at this from and um, you you talk about focusing on what makes you remarkable and again we're still in this kind of self-promotion I don't have anything to say about myself it's not about me how do we how do we figure out what makes us remarkable because I think that saying of it's really hard to read the writing on the jar when you're in the jar it's so hard. <laughs> and you and I both know, and I think it's worth saying this, that, you know, we do this for a living for other people. And yet for both of us, and we had a conversation before we, before we came on air, you know, for both of us doing it for ourselves, you suddenly realize why it's so hard. It's so hard. And, you know, that's where you don't want to be in competition with other people, but that's where thinking about what makes you remarkable, what makes you different than other people. It's so hard to again, the self-reflection piece, but knowing what you've had success in in the past, knowing your passion, your purpose, having those things beside you as you walk along this journey. But for people to stop and say, here's how I'm remarkable, it's very hard. Actually, you know, I've had people, when I've done workshops and sessions with people, they actually start to cry. Um, Google has a workshop called I Am Remarkable. And they've also had people become very teary-eyed when they've done their session because people haven't taken the time to say, here is how I'm remarkable. Here's how I'm here to serve. They don't take the time to realize it because we're so quick to say, you know what, I'm remarkable because of my children or because of this 
other result, but not really getting down deep into our own mind and what really makes us remarkable beyond, you know, being a mom, which is such an amazing thing. And we go right away to it. So many of us or a dad, we go so quickly to our children that what, that's what makes us remarkable, but there's so many more things beyond that. And so when you take time to build that list of what makes you remarkable, make yourself fill a page, fill the page. I have clients though, when I'm working with them, we're in a, a workshop and they'll just put down three things and then they'll put the pen down and it's their challenge to go further and think about what makes them remarkable. It's just that, what is it that's about you that makes you, you, and that it doesn't really matter what other people are writing at this time. It's about what you can do. And so just keep writing what makes you remarkable and articulate that value to what, what is valuable to you and not even worried about the rest of the world. What is it about you that makes you feel that you're valuable? Are there some starter questions? Because I can just imagine that blank page feels really big. Oh, and yeah. I am remarkable because dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Um, what are some starter questions where people can so, begin that process? Yeah. So even going, you know, if we're going to work, what projects have excited you? And what makes your eyes light up? I like that question a lot. What makes your eyes light up? Because, you know, that's part of when those things that make your eyes light up, those are things you probably should be talking about. And it's something that probably makes you remarkable because what makes my eyes light up, you and I, I think so many of the same things are making our eyes light up, but to the next person, you know, they're not as interested in it, but it's also, it's part of defining who we are and having that point of view. So what can I show instead of tell, like, what can I talk about that makes me passionate and enthusiastic? Cause I think we so often aren't as passionate or enthusiastic about things in the world. And I tell people being enthusiastic nowadays counts for so much more than you ever thought. Just showing a tiny bit of enthusiasm gets you far and opens doors for you. And so what is it that you're enthusiastic about? You know, what is it that you have the grit, you know, are going to actually stick with it and go through the trials and tribulations of something. What is that? And those are the things that are part of, you know, being remarkable for you. What do you stand for? Who do you know? So, you know, you can go through your superpowers and it's an exercise in the book, but what makes me stand out from the people around me? That's something really important. What skill has made me successful in the past? Think about those things. And what uh, two things would I never give up? And then what, you know, is it a task that I would easily give to somebody else? What are those things? But then what are the things that I would never give up because they just bring me joy and make me light up? So those are a bunch of different exercises to think about how you are remarkable and your superpower. Mm. You, you have this number in the book and I want to ask you about it. It said 20% of your work time should be on proactive promotion. Now I'm hoping that I've interpreted that because I read it and I was like 20%. Wow. I fall so way below that. Is, is that right? 20% yeah. of the time we should be promoting. You should be, you should, it's probably, I'm probably being low because really part of your job is letting people know how you are of service. And so when you're there telling people, here's what I'm doing and here's how I'm of service, then that's an incredible part of your job. Then they know what you're here for. But it's also part of that equation isn't just running out and doing all the social media posts and writing blogs. What I want people to do is then whatever you do, amplify it. So many of us make great content like this podcast. And then I wonder how many people afterwards never do anything with it. 
So I know you are going to share it and put it all out in the world and activate it through your audiences. And I'm very appreciative. But then on the guest, do they often just say, oh, thanks, bye, and not do anything with it? We invest our time in writing, you know, corporate articles or writing a social post or one of my friends, she was in Cosmo, Cosmopolitan. And did she tell anyone? Do, 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 do. Like, you know, people aren't Harvard Business Review. They don't tell anyone. They expect people to find it and discover it and then talk about it. No, you need to, you know, when you participate in anything like this or being on a panel, you then need to amplify and let people know that I did this thing and I'm going to tell you about it. Then I'm going to tell you again about it. Then I'm going to tell you again about it. So just doing it once isn't enough. We have to really tell people because everyone else is so busy. They're not paying enough attention to know that you've already told them three or four or five, six times that you're on this awesome podcast and met Julie. And here are the things we talked about. People are so busy in their own lives. So you have to tell them and tell them again. And I think that's critical is make sure whatever you spend that 20% of your time on, you then amplify it even further. Yeah, you just you're just getting me to think that there's there's something that I've been getting stuck on. You know, we we do the podcast and it goes out on YouTube, it goes out on socials, it goes out on email, you know, in, at least in four or five different iterations and I think that that's worth saying. Like if you're going to put the hard work into doing something, get it out there in as many ways as you can. You know, we get it out there as long form audio, short form audio, long form video, short form video multiple times. I'm good with all of that. Because we, you know, we work really hard on it. I'm very proud of it. And the people who come on, their ideas, I really believe in getting out there in the world. But I'll tell you where I caught myself recently that I'm not great. And that is um, telling the guest. So sending an email to the guest, because sometimes we would record an interview like three or four months before it goes out into the world. So sending the email a guest to say, hey, your episode is going live this week. Here are the materials if you want, if you want to promote or share. Here are, you know, here are the materials to do so. And if I'm really honest, that one is the one that catches me because I'm always a little, I think a little bit scared. I'm just reflecting on it now that they will come back and go, you know, no, please don't put it out there in the world. I've changed my mind. Or I don't like that photo. Can you redo the entire creative? or I don't like that social post. Can you, can you rewrite it? Or, and I, I have such nerves that someone will come back and in some way not like the finished product that we've all worked really hard on that. I don't, I don't say anything. I don't, I'm just kind of like, they'll just notice when I put it out there in the world. And a part of that is, is that fear piece of saying, Hey, you know, we built something and you were a part of it and I'm really proud of it. Do you, would you like to promote it too? just in case they say no. <laughs> we do suffer with that. We are afraid of being rejected when we do things. You know, putting a book out into the world, you know, I was so afraid it would not go well. And then asking for people, Amazon reviews, it's a big thing. You have to get those reviews so that it gets the algorithm, it gets in front of other people. But to ask and ask for ourselves, oh my goodness, it's such a big deal. And saying, Hey, I made this. Do you want to look at it? Do you want it? It's of service. But meanwhile, then we go and amplify all these celebrities and these other people who 
why are we talking about them all the time instead of sharing the awesomeness of Julie or sharing the awesomeness of Lisa, all the people that we know and that are around us or that we've spent actual time with? Why aren't we sharing those stories and asking each other to share instead of always sharing these stories of people who are already in the celebrity realm and already getting a lot of airtime. We need to ask each other and say, let me support you. And I'm not talking about some cliquey, I'll promote anything that you put out there, even if it's not good. But when something is of service, make sure you're putting it out there to another person and sharing it. And I think we have to get over ourselves and say, hey, I made this, you know, do you want to come along on my journey? And realizing that sometimes it lands at the wrong time where they might not be able to participate for whatever reasons, but then going back and asking them again, another time and saying, would you like to, Oh yes, I meant to do it the last time, but you know, these other things happen. So it's really being able to say, here's how I am here to serve. I have this. Do you want to look at it? Would you like it? And it's scary. It is scary. But once you do it and have those steps of courage, that builds up confidence. So it's the courage steps to say, I remember the first people I sent my book to, oh my goodness, besides my editor and the, the, you know, the publisher team, my friends that I was like, do you want to read my book? And they were like, yes. And then the feedback, it was as soon as I sent it to them and then got their feedback, it was like, oh my goodness. And the next person I sent my book to them was Seth Godin, who I definitely admire, who's who's big in uh, in lots of worlds that I'm part of. But I sent it to him because I had that, okay, I sent it to them. It's off in the world now. I'm going to go big and send it. So it's having those steps of courage to get more confident and flexing the muscle of saying, here's how I'm here to serve. And Seth, I think, wrote the testimonial that's on the front front of your book so then that's how that <laughs> went just i'm gonna i'm gonna take your brag i'm gonna build on it for you that's how that ended up that's how it ended up so and he's he was so generous to to write um you know smart kind and useful it's the sort of insight you'll be glad you paid attention to and when i he was so quick to return it and i did a happy dance i was in an airport and i did an absolute I'll do it. Uh, you know, I did the happy dance <laughs> right there because, wow, you know, but if you don't ask, you know, the answer, if you don't ask, you will not receive. And so many of us think that someone is going to find us on, in our teeny tiny spot on the, in the little pixel that we are on the internet and find us and elevate us to the level that we should be at. They're not going to do it. Everyone is so busy in their lives. And so you have to say, here's how I'm here to serve. Here's the signal. And then let them help you. And people do genuinely, they want to help you, but we have to ask. And so many of us are doers. We're not good at the asking part. And so getting that muscle to say, you know what, do you like this? Would you like to share it? Oh, it's of service to your people. And then it grows further and further. And then you have the flywheel, the marketing machine going that helps, helps it get into the world. And then the people who really need that message, they're finally going to hear it and say, where were you my whole life? I needed this way at the beginning of my career. Do you know how many people say that to me? And thankfully they're saying, well, I have it now, so I'm going to do something with it. But they're waiting for your message and it needs to come. Why not you right now? That's what I really want people to do is, is start to be that signal now. And I think also for people like us and many others out there who have built their careers around promoting other people, around promoting the ideas of other people and willingly and gladly and have loved doing it. But when it comes to, you know, I will happily promote you, but when it comes to sending you the materials and saying, hey, would you like to promote this thing that I have built to promote you? then that's because now I'm asking you to promote me and that's not my job. 
you know, that's, that's awkward. Not that's so <laughs> awkward. Um, talk to me about fear plus 10% because I love this. Yeah. You know, I think first of all, we need to realize life is awkward and life is, um, you have to, you have to go through those steps of being awkward and knowing that we're all weird and things are not ever as good as they seem. I think that's the reality of it. You know, even if you're all organized and everything looks nice in the background, you know, there's stuff going on beyond there. And I think that's where the internet is allowing us to see, first of all, the, the pristine picture, but then knowing there's a lot of stories beyond it. But I think we need to say, I want this out in the world and it scares me to share this with you, but I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to go even further. So my fear was like, oh, Seth Godin's not going to like it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and do it. And so that was, that was much more than 10% for me, but, but sending it out there and saying, I'm afraid to do this, but I know that if I do it, something better is going to happen. So be afraid, be afraid as you do those things, be afraid as you reach that, that stretch client or that stretch podcast interview guests, like stretch until it's like, almost like this is not going to happen. And then say, I'm going to do it. Just stretch that extra little distance where you feel that, oh, I don't know. And then go a little bit further and then do it. I think that's the critical piece where otherwise you're just at the lateral move again. So you have to have a little bit of fear and know that it's okay. And the rest of us are feeling it too. And that's where then you'll feel the imposter syndrome, which I call imposter experience, because we're all experiencing it all the time. It's like, well, I've never done this before. I've never written a book before. I don't know. you know. And it's okay that I don't know. So many people have come to say, Lisa, do this, look at this. But I've asked for help. And then I've also given help now. So it's that I'm now a conduit of information and I'm happy to be that place because if we can keep passing it around to make it easier on the next person, I think that's the critical piece. But it's having that fear of saying, I have something, I think it should go out in the world and doing it. So it's that courage piece. That's a big piece of it. So happy to amplify you all day long. But again, when it comes to me, we are hard. It's harder. It's harder because we don't think our stuff's that, uh, that great either. But I love the 10%. You know, it's, it's not feel the fear and do it anyway. It's not, oh, here's the fear. I'll, I'll keep, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll go this far because I'm afraid. <laughs> no, this is different. This is, which I love. This is, oh, I'm feeling afraid. This is my cue to go 10%. This is my cue to double down now. Yeah. A completely different approach because most of us feel the fear and go, oh, there's the line. I'm afraid. Okay, I'm going to stop here. You know what? I got it from the idea that you're supposed to always, when you're asking for money too, when you're, because I don't, I'm sure you, maybe you don't, I'm speaking for you, but I don't always value myself. So it's going that here's what I think this is worth plus 10% because we need to make sure that we value our, our work. And so fear is also the same way. So I'm like, how does it apply to when I'm trying to do these different things it's fear plus 10%. What is that stretch piece to get me to go? And then 10% is not that much in the end. And then it's like, oh, I did that. And then I do 10% the next time. And then quick enough, it's like, I've done 100%. I am so far beyond the next measure. That's something brand new and beautiful because I've done those little increments of 10% that now stretches me beyond wherever I thought I could possibly go. And it's amazing when you do it. Mm. I want to talk a little bit before I let you go about the authenticity piece, because I think that that is a big one for a lot of people. I'm not a big fan of the word authentic. Um, 
I'm more of a fan of the word intentional, but I think that it stops us, you know, this feeling like a fraud because guess what? I'm going to put this unhappy picture of myself out there of, aren't I amazing? And isn't this wonderful? And look at me, you know, I'm about to get on stage or I've just spoken in front of a, a thousand people or I've just been published or this has just happened. And we stop ourselves and I'll put my hand up. I stop myself because I think that's not true. That's not, it is true in this moment, but that's not the whole truth because yesterday I was lost at sea thinking I'm just going to quit and become a zookeeper. So you know, like, it's not, it's not the whole, and I don't want to tell half a picture. And so I won't say anything at all. How you had this beautiful story about when you sent your, your book in to your editor, um, and you were looking messy and you'd been up all night and you didn't want to post about it. It was an amazing moment for you, but you didn't want to post about it because it didn't look perfect. I know I put a lot in there and it's an ill-defined question, but talk a little bit about how we navigate that world. Yeah. So that story was um, Michael Bungay Stanier, who also has a book coming out and he's written many books and sold millions of copies. And so I, I do look up to him and, and his work and uh, we had the same publisher and he had posted this picture of him after he had submitted his manuscript. And I was, I had just submitted mine the same day and he had gone ahead and posted this picture and post, put it up there. And I had taken a picture of myself, but I didn't share it because I, I was like, oh, that's so messy. And so I don't really know if I want people to see the tea rings on my desk and how bad I was going to wait till the next day and brush my hair and clean up my desk and make sure things looked really good. Cause you know, I think it's still the attachment to that perfectionist attitude that so many of us are, it has to be a certain way before I let anyone in. And that again is not showing the moments. It's instead showing the milestones and the milestones are those things that we do show up quaffed and we have the book nice and ready and everything looks good, but people want to be let in on those authentic milestones, moments, the authentic moments along the way that then it's leaving the breadcrumbs of success. So we can see, oh, she does have a masky desk, not always, but I do sometimes. And allowing people in on the truth of some of the things is really important for people to be able to then see you and access you. I think it's where a lot of celebrities now, they do show you more and more about them. I think things are too stylized, but people want to connect with humans. We're humans having a human experience connecting with other humans. So I do also have the same thing with the word authentic, being authentic, because I think it's a trap for some of us. It's like, well, what does that really mean? Bring your authentic self to work. I still believe there is theater going on. We do clean up our backdrops and do move things around. And, you know, we, we brush our hair and we show up in different ways to different people. We have to, how you are with your child is different than how you are with a client. So I worry about this call all the time for being authentic and bring your authentic self to work. It's how do you show up and how do you feel good about yourself where you are in that environment? And it may mean putting on different hats at different times, but I think it's, for me though, it's showing people a little bit behind the scenes so that they can relate to you and that you can feel, they can feel the moment of excitement with you as you go along. So that was, and you know, what's so funny is that I, people showed up for me, MBS has a huge following and people showed up for me just the way they showed up for him by letting people in on the authentic, the reality of what it looks like when you've spent 
days and weeks finishing up that final draft of the manuscript and you're not, uh, it's not all pretty. <laughs> it's definitely not all pretty. And that's relatable. That's relatable. And I think it's also part of your, I say responsibility. It's, it's a self-chosen responsibility, but it's part of being the clue again, you know, if I'm going to be the clue for, for somebody else, then it's important for them to know that it, it's not always pretty. And there are, you know, heads up tea stain desked moments of being up for 24 hours and there are you know times when planes get delayed and you and you miss important things and you know there's part of that is going you know to use your language here are the breadcrumbs you know there's some nice breadcrumbs there are some breadcrumbs that aren't so great but you know we keep dropping them because hey what's over here is worth the ride what's over here is important or worth it and it's not going to be pretty all of the time I think it allows people then to see the grit behind it, that there's work involved in it instead of everyone just showing up and being perfect and everything looks so perfect. I think it's the grit that you allow people to see that this took work and people value it more when they can see that all the hard labor you put into something, they value it and they value you more because you've, you've brought them along on the journey with you. And there's something to be said for that, that people want to come on the story of your life. They want to be part of your red threads. So when they can see behind the scenes and know, I think maybe that's part of the reason why so many people want to see our dogs and our cats and stuff like that. They want to see behind, even in this Zoom, you know, video camera world that we in, they want to see behind and know that there's a real human there and it's humans helping humans and being that person that'll show you a little bit, you know, crack into the life of my real life beyond, you know, all the polish and hairspray and stuff. Uh, well, my final question, one of my favorite lines from your book is that bragging is a rebellion, which I just loved, you know, to brag about what you have done, how you are here to serve. It's a rebellion. It's an active rebellion. How, if there's somebody out there right now thinking, I need to get better at this, that this is something I know I have self-awareness around that I need to get an awful lot better at. What's the first act of rebellion that they could take? Yeah. Well, I mentioned it. It's really telling yourself how good you are. It's, it's that self-love piece to say, here are the things that I'm good at and I'm going to start talking about them. So it's really making sure that you believe in yourself. So those are, that's a huge ask actually, but it's saying here, this is what I believe in. This is how I want to serve. This is how I want to shine. And so starting with yourself is the most important thing. So getting that in your head that you are worth it and that you should tell other people. So I talk about, you know, L'Oreal because I'm worth it in the book and it's, you are worth it. It sounds a little cliche because we hear that tagline over and over again, but you are worth it. So what is it that you want to talk about in the world and put that forward? So it's really starting with yourself. And not thinking about, well, what does everyone else need to hear? What do I need to say? What is my point of view? What is it about me that makes me remarkable? So that rebellion piece is saying, I'm not going to be a hidden gem waiting for someone else to choose me. I'm going to choose myself. I'm going to put myself forward for that. I'm not going to pick someone else. And this isn't a me, me, me all the time, but this is, hey, this is how I'm here to serve. And then I'm going to partner with somebody and we're going to make something new together. So it's starting with that individual aspect saying that it's me of service. Then we partner and then we build something new together. So, but it starts with yourself and bragging to yourself that yes, you do shine and shimmer and that you are brave going back to those original pieces and knowing that 
while we talk about bragging means to talk about your your work with pride, to talk about your successes with pride, pride also means self-love. So starting with some self-love to say, yes, I do care about my work. I do care about what I'm thinking and I want to share it with people and then starting to share it with people. So I think those are the most foundational pieces that you can start with and then keep going from there to say, here's something else I'm doing. Here's something else I'm doing. And that I'm honored to have won this award. Go back in time if you want and pull something out from the past. That's okay. But if there's something today that you did, share that today. Don't hesitate on it. Just put it out there and you'll be surprised at how many people celebrate it instead of you stewing over it. Just do it quickly. Just put it out there. Help us find you. Help us find you. You know, find what you what you have to give. Well, thank you for helping us find you. and your book and and all the incredible information that you put out there into the world so appreciate it very much thank you for your time today thank you i appreciate all you do because it's so great to well first of all meeting a kindred spirit in so many things that you were saying i'm like aha 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 and that's what when we talk about ourselves because so many people don't even say what makes them remarkable if they are talking about how they are here to serve then so many of us will have more aha moments And we'll go further, farther, faster together. So that's a big part of this is that, oh, now I know the genius inside of you. I know, yes, I can refer people to Julie. I can help Julie. Julie can help me. And we can build together something bigger than waiting as hidden gems, feeling that corrosiveness of waiting. Instead, I want more and more people to be seen and heard. And then I want to shine the light on them and have the light shine back because that's what happens. When I shine the light on you, it shines back on me. And that's how it grows. So... I love if your audience would come to lisabragg.com and um, there's things on the website for people there. And then also my book is available everywhere. So that's really exciting. I think this is my first podcast since being able to say that. So it's actually live and available now. So I'd appreciate it if you picked up a copy. So I appreciate you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea, or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea, or brand in your space, then I have good news. You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.